Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Empowering Patients podcast, your weekly take on all things related to new care models in healthcare, remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, and hospital at home. I'm your host, Theo Harvey, and I'm the CEO of SensorMed, the leading full-service RPM platform in the industry. Today, I'm so honored to have on my podcast, Nicole Williams, Portfolio Innovation Partner at UCB. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi, Theo. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, great. Happy to have you as well. So briefly, Nicole is a dynamic leader of over 20 plus years of accomplished career with prestigious healthcare organizations and is currently works in strategy innovation at UCB Pharma. But Nicole has been responsible for leading strategic partnerships uh, between UCP portfolio innovation teams and influential external executive stakeholders by creating innovative collaborations focused on health equity shared decision-making models, and holistic care approaches within integrative health systems. Nicole is also dedicated to serving and giving back to the community. She has served on the Harvard Debate Council Board, New Leaders Council Advisory Board, and United Way of Greater Atlanta. In the recent years, she served on the Fulton DeKalb Hospital Authority Board Grant Selection Committee, which promotes several general health care needs by providing grants to community-based health organizations. So, Nicole, you've done a work well, well, a lot ton of work in healthcare. So we're just honored to have you here today. Great, thank you so much for that, Theo. I might have to take out that twenty plus years. Um, I think it's dating me now. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. So, but real quick, typically what we get started with, I like to you know set the mood with a, a general healthcare story that I read in the news. And I think one of the things that we're talking about is remote care and how it's you know transforming healthcare. And one of the things I saw in the story was around um, a startup that is taking advantage of the many hours low-income Americans spend in laundromats to help improve access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this this startup called Fabric Health uh, is aimed at helping low-income people receive improved access to healthcare while spending time in laundromats. Uh, they say people are busy, but everyone needs clean underwear. <laughs> said the uh, co-founder. And we need to build systems and services that fit their lives instead of asking them to squeeze something else in. So, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of this. We talked about this on one of my podcasts about, uh, you know, uh, meeting people at, um, you know, haircuts and getting haircuts, why to get haircuts, beauty salons, um, things like that. What are your thoughts about, you know, especially for, you know, underserved communities, putting healthcare in front of them wherever they are? What are your thoughts around that? I mean, I totally agree. You got to meet the patient where they are, right? And I hear that time and time again from providers. And that's why you're seeing a lot more people on social media doing certain educational topics. And I think also we discovered during the pandemic that there's a new category in the social determinants of health. And it it now includes technology because we realized during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't have access to technology. So they're not able to research certain things about, you know, skin conditions or whatever type of medical conditions that they're trying to research. They're not able to do telederm sometimes or telemedicine. So I think it's great to meet them where they are. And, you know, talking about barbershops, I know that there was another innovative program that actually um, included education on HIV. A lot of um, barbers and stylists, they almost act like therapists to a lot of their um, customers. So just to be able to provide that type of information right where they are so that they can understand uh, how important it is to take care of their health. 
No, great point. Uh, yeah, it was a, a company. I can't remember the, the name, but yes, they were going to barbershops, uh, giving out blood pressure monitors, right, and helping mm-hmm. them with that. And um, we're looking at doing something around um, Black men health awareness um, and, and really helping them with, uh, you know, hypertension and, and diabetes. So I think, you know, trying to reach, the, and I think we're, we're talking about doing it potentially at a, a big uh, Kappa event, which is a, a large, you know, African American, you know, fraternity. And so uh, I think, you know, to your point, uh, healthcare, you know, during the COVID, is is it's it laid bare the disparities in you know underserved communities, especially Black and Latino communities. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we're going to see more of these innovation, you know, around you know bringing healthcare to the people, not just with mobile buses and all that, but like you said, where they go. And uh, so I want to see more ideas like that, hopefully, come to the forefront. You know, it's interesting. I met um, a resident out of um, a university in the Northeast at a psoriasis foundation meeting. And basically she was reaching out to me because she was trying to get some funding for her hair loss project that she was doing. And I, you know, I was trying to find innovative ways for her to kind of get the education across. And so um, she was dealing with alopecia and that's definitely been in the news lately, but just talking about hair loss and how many um, stylists, hairstylists are the first people to really notice these kind of hair loss patterns in patients. And so it would be beneficial for them to be educated on some of these topics so that they could encourage some of their customers to seek medical care. Oh, great example. You're right. And um you know, it's, it's kind of like healthcare has to be integrated into our lives. I mean, it seems like the whole world stopped because of healthcare, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> now we're slowly emerging of our cocoons and traveling and doing different things. You know, I think we're trying to figure out how we kind of incorporate that now that people are, are, you know, working from home more, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, behavior has, behavior has changed a lot and people realize they can see their doctor via telehealth. So I'll mm-hmm. uh, be curious to kind of see how these trends continue over the next 10 years. One thing I'll leave with this, uh, I, I, during the COVID, someone mentioned to me that, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, we we advanced healthcare the most in the last uh, 18 months than we had in the last previous 10 years. So, you know, we did so many different things in healthcare and, and the system kind of got exposed a little bit. So I'm hoping these innovations uh, take place. And so uh, with that being said, let's move into our topic today. Uh, I know you have a very backgrounds in healthcare, but specifically around skincare. And I would love to kind of understand uh, your thoughts around, you know, treating skin remotely with technology and telehealth. So one of the first questions I have for you is like, you know, again, COVID, the big equalizer changer for everything in healthcare related. We did see the rise of uh, teledermatology. I think you and I have talked about it previously. Uh, what are your opinions uh, for the benefits for this technology? And what's the benefit for the patient and maybe even for the doctor? Sure. I would definitely say that, you know, telehealth has increased during COVID, right? It was something that really wasn't expected to now it's transformed to like patients are almost demanding it. Like we want on-demand everything, TV, Amazon service, uh, and our medical care now. So I think with one of the benefits is that a lot of these patients were not able to travel to see providers because maybe they live an hour away and they're being referred to a medical center. And it's kind of hard to get into a lot of these different specialists. So it was taking four to six months to see, you know, a provider live. And I think with the option of doing telehealth, it could be offered at some alternative times, maybe even before clinic or having late night clinic hours, 
um, that's something that I've seen that has been done for, you know, a lot of different academic centers. But a lot of those patients, they have trouble, you know, even getting a ride to these institutions that might be an hour from their house. They have to take off work. And so, you know, when a lot of these patients that have social determinants of health or health disparities, if they're not working, then they're probably not making money. Um, And so, you know, that's not really great for them. But if they could have a telehealth appointment, it might be easier. And then I think also if they're able to get in a lot sooner, they could catch maybe their issues sooner than later and having it progress. So I think, you know, being diagnosed early is great. And one innovative way that I've heard um, of an institution in the Northeast and, you know, using Telederm during COVID was that they were using a satellite clinic in these rural areas and they would have the provider on the telehealth visit. And then they would have a nurse or a medical assistant in the satellite clinic in these rural areas actually taking photos of the skin disease issues that the patient was facing so that they could have really clear pictures. The you know medical assistant or the nurse knew exactly what to take the picture of. They could actually touch and feel the skin as well and report that back to the provider. And that that pilot program actually did really well. And a lot of these patients in these rural underserved areas were able to seek care, whereas before they were never getting to the providers. Mm, Great example. I mean, I think, uh, again, you know, the themes of, you know, meeting people where they are. And um, I love that kind of having these satellite locations to kind of treat patients. Well, you know, look, this is the beginning of it. Right. So. Um, where do you see this going, this technology going? I mean, um, with uh, te- you know, treating patients remotely, uh, what are some of your thoughts around that? I mean, I think adherence rates are going to increase as well. Um, I see a lot of patients wanting to do services at home. So, for instance, within psoriasis, you have phototherapy or light therapy boxes that can be delivered to patients' homes. And I think some of the technology that goes along with that is now providers can actually see when they turn that light box on. So they'll know when the patient is actually doing their therapy. Um, I think that's one way to kind of track and, you know, kind of have a complete circle back to the provider on if the patient is actually getting their treatment. I also see more and more telehealth in regards to therapy, which is, I think, is really great for skin of color patients or even just skin disease patients because they deal with so many psychosocial issues. And so they're needing the um, therapy sessions to kind of talk through their depression and anxiety. Um, You know, when we might have cholesterol or high blood pressure, when you look at me, you actually can't tell that I have high cholesterol. But with a patient that has psoriasis or maybe atopic dermatitis, it's out front. It might be on their face, their hands, their neck, their arms. And so that brings a lot of psychosocial issues for those kinds of patients. So I really feel that like telehealth with with therapy really increased. And I think that is going to be increasingly um, going forward, especially helping patients with skin disease. It can help them, you know, talk about, you know, stress management, diet, nutrition, sleep inflammation, as well as like social connectivity and maybe sexual dysfunction. I think those topics is another way for um, technology, some of these digital applications, when you incorporate telehealth, is being able to actually push information to the patient on those kinds of topics. 
So if they could get articles or suggestions on how do they reduce their stress management or reduce their sleep inflammation, we know from a skin disease perspective that their disease would, they'll probably have less flares um, because it's going to reduce the inflammation when you take care of your psychosocial health as well. So I think that's, a, um, I know the a direction where we're going. I think also um, shared decision-making tools or digital health tools that help aid the discussion with the patient is something else that's going to be pushed out from telehealth or digital health um, options. And I think that's because patients want to be heard. They want to go to the doctor and actually um, talk about some of their psychosocial issues with their provider. So if the patient can, you know, have their voice heard and then, you know, the provider have certain aided tools, um, whether they like to have an injection or do they like pills? Do they like creams? They can show them pictures. And that also helps with patients that may have language barriers as well. Um, I think also with the shared decision-making, they feel like they were part of the treatment plan and it's not just the provider like pushing some information on the patient saying, well, this is what you're going to do and this is what you're going to take. Of course, they are the ones practicing medicine, but it's really important to incorporate the patient's um, you know, perspective and some of their concerns in the conversation. So I think those kind of tools are definitely being used. And I think I feel like that's where telehealth is going. Wow. No, very, very uh concise and just really comprehensive because you talked about the clinical aspect and understanding, you know, are they even using it? And so that's the, that's what telehealth can help with, but also the, 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 the ancillary things that, that go along with that, right? Like the mental aspect, because you're right, there's a lot of stigma associated with these type of conditions and, you know, and there could be some mental con conditions that people deal with. And mm -hmm. then finally, just the, um, you know, like the support that they could use, right, with, you know, like the um, uh, connections and, and also uh, research that can be, you know, delivered to them in the format that's digitally. So, so no, that's great. I think, um, you know, that's the, the, the promise of telehealth and technology, right, and how it can enhance the patient experience wherever they are and, and can feel more comfortable about getting the, tr the treatments that they want. So um, that, that's very powerful. Uh, well, you know, you know, typically, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, a specific, you know, we really do a lot uh, with my company with a lot of underserved communities, you know, dealing with patients dealing from hypertension, they're alone at home. How do we engage them? So, you know, uh, given your knowledge, you know, around, you know, this area, especially with your work with skin of color patients and the journey mm -hmm. of skin diseases, what do you believe are the key issues facing people of color in regards to skin care? Well, this is very timely because I just conducted a whole workshop on health disparities from um, key opinion leaders on social determinant of health uh, across the nation. So these are really top of mind for me, but um, there are so many, but I would like to focus on just a couple. And I think the main one is trust, trust in the healthcare system. Um, as you know, and, you know, we our history includes um, really things like the Tuskegee experiment and the um, Henrietta Lacks um, cells being used without her knowledge. So those type of experiences have happened in our history definitely lead to the mistrust of the medical um, profession for a lot of patients with skin of color. I think also the mistrust comes when there is not a lot of 